best place for below average stars. Hello, welcome to the Star Wars Show, the best place for below average Star Wars. It's time for a special edition of the show again today. Knowing me, knowing you. Aha! With the coronavirus running wild and Star Wars news being pretty slow, although we did have quite a few hits of news uh, on May the 4th, uh, here, me and another Star Wars fan are going to ask each other five questions. So, it's knowing me, Peter Adams, knowing you, Katie Adams. Aha! Katie, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Obviously, we're just sort of a week in the same week as May the 4th review was on Monday. I'm in the same week now. Um, so I'm still sort of on a high from watching lots of Star Wars, reading lots of Star Wars. How are you? Definitely. Are you doing all right? Yes, definitely. Uh, probably the same. Obviously, Monday had um, the the last episode of Clone Wars um, and had some new stuff pop up on Disney+, Plus, which I still haven't got the chance to watch yet. But... Um, very excited to get around to it. Yeah, so I mean, that new making of documentary for The Mandalorian is very good. So I watched episode one when it came out. And then I think episode two is actually up today. Uh, we are recording this on Friday. Um, so that's episode two has gone up today, I believe. All right, okay. I still need to, because obviously I was waiting for The Mandalorian to hit Disney Plus all at once so I could sit and binge it. Um, so I only watched it all last Friday. Um, but I got lucky and got to watch the first episode in a cinema, which meant it was on the big screen in the super comfy chairs, which was fun. Um, but yeah, so I only watched it all last week. Um, but looking forward to to watching that that making of when I get the chance to. Good, good. And how are you feeling about coming on and doing a special edition of the show? Knowing me, knowing you. Aha! <laughs> I'm quite excited. It should be good. I've listened to the other ones and... There's been some good conversations about Star Wars, so I'm excited to, to be part of it. Yeah, so anybody who hasn't listened to Knowing Me, Knowing You yet, um, episode one was with the fabulous Brian Balance from the Dorky Diva show and from his own podcast, The Interesting Podcast. So definitely go check that one out and check out all Brian's work. And then episode two was with the absolutely phenomenal Daniel Berry from the Force cast, uh, who... Daniel's just a delight to be around, delight to speak to. And um, we had some really, really great Star Wars conversations just based on asking each other questions. Um, and that's the idea of the show. It's just a case of two Star Wars fans that love Star Wars getting together, asking each other questions. And it just, the questions lead to a really good conversation about Star Wars, which is what we all love. And it's what we all need during these hard times of the lockdown. Definitely. Have you got me five questions ready, Katie? I do. Do you want me to go well, first? Let's dive yeah? in. You asked me my first question, yeah. Okay, so question number one. Uh, what is your favourite Star Wars game and why? Ooh, this is a tough one. I've played quite a few Star Wars games. Um, I think the one that sticks in my memory the most is because I played it at such a like a vital age, and that was Star Wars Bounty Hunter for PlayStation 2. So I would have played that mm-hmm. in my teenage years um i'm trying to think i was probably 14 or 15 i would imagine um yeah 14 or 15 i would imagine maybe 13 
but so obviously they're, they're years that you really are starting to sort of um, you remember as an adult as opposed to being a child um, and I remember getting Star Wars Bounty Hunter and just like loving that game like not only did the game sort of tie into like Attack of the Clones a little bit with sort of Jango's journey and how he got selected to be the clone army um, but also tied into like other aspects of the galaxy that were known about like the huts um, some crime syndicates um, was like a prison planet at one point um, yeah it was that That was a really really I mean, so the game's not canon I don't believe anymore and uh, at the end you end up um, fighting off Dooku's apprentice who I believe is not a Sarge Ventress but it's essentially like an early design for a Sarge Ventress alright okay if That's I remember correctly if you google it up, it'll all come up. I can't remember her name um, but it's on this it's actually the scary planet at the end you land on the scary planet and then um, then she's sort of like hunting you down and after you take her down is when um Duke was like, Oh yeah, you passed the test, you're gonna become a uh, gonna you're gonna get cloned. Fun times yeah. all around. Um I haven't played that one because I'm trying to think if you were like fourteen, I would have been about seven. Um and I think at that point I might have had a PlayStation two, but I think I had Simpsons Hit and Run and Crash Nitro Kart and that was the end of my game. Very list. good games, very good games. Um, very good games but interestingly that game is now on the playstation store and you can buy it and it's not been remastered or anything it's just the playstation 2 version but you can download it and play it on your ps4 so you can get back into it and play it again if you want to <laughs> well i haven't finished your iphone order yet um so gotta get yeah. on it so i mean i mean so for me i mean like jedi Fallen order like probably is the best Star Wars game i've played so far because in this new world where everything's canon, like this story is canon and it fits into canon so well, and the story's like massively told. So I'm probably getting, yes. I'm probably getting more yeah. canon enjoyment out of Jedi Fallen Order, but based out of like memories, I just remember like how awesome I thought Star Wars Bounty Hunter was at the time, and like yeah. I remember like thinking that like all my prayers had been answered at once when I got that game because it was like. It was very Star Wars. It was very Western. Um, it, it was, like I said at the time, it was like a breath of fresh air. It was like, oh, like, I can't believe we actually got this game. Um, so, yeah, like I love that. Um, honorable mention goes to um, Star Wars Pod Race Our Revenge, which is the second one. Um, I played that so much as well as a kid. Um, it was essentially where you had like updated racers and the more race tracks. And the idea was that simple of I want revenge for getting them. Um, sort of destroyed but you could play in like pod race championships across the world and stuff so very much like a formula one game but more fun oh amazing yeah again that's on the place playstation store it sounds like i wait for playstation and i'm plugging things here but that is on the playstation store and you can get race of revenge and it's like three pounds at the moment or something yeah so i've actually got that on my playstation 4 uh i did i did play it a little bit um <laughs> Already got it. Yeah, because um, I because it because it, it's it's easier to play because like if I downloaded Star Wars Bounty Hunter again, like that's a game you get into and it's like level based and story mode. So like you you, you end up getting hooked in. Where Race or Revenge is like like almost like arcade type. So like you, you know I mean you play a level and then like it's it's done and you can like go away. You don't you don't get you yeah. don't get sucked in as much. Um, yeah. So yeah, honorable mention to Race or Revenge. Um, for me, I always remember like. Um, Super Star Wars for like the SNES, and like I'm, I just remember that being really, really hard. 
So I know that some some people swear by that game. Like once you get the lightsaber, it gets easier apparently. But um, but yeah, I remember I remember, I remember playing snares is like in my I don't know probably in my first like seven years of life. Uh, I never had a copy, but my friend Royce had a copy, um, and I just remember it being like really difficult. I was going to say because I can't remember us having that console. Like so, I definitely never played that game. <laughs> yeah, so I never had a snares. I had a. And then I went from that to a Mega Drive, um, but Royce had the mm-hmm. Royce had the Super Nintendo or the SNES as it's called, and I remember playing it there. My friend Royce, my childhood friend, from down the street. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, hmm. My first question for you then is: If you had to pick a trilogy, like sort of do what the original, the prequel, and the sequel trilogy, which trilogy do you think has the best? Uh, soundtracks overall and then also what is your favourite track from from that trilogy Um, I'm trying to think in terms because of like how old I am so I was three when Phantom Menace came out like in 99 so I've I was quite lucky in a way because I've grown up with I mean, we've obviously now got the sequel trilogy, but prior to that, when we thought the story was done at six films, um, I've grown up with like all the Star Wars films in there, which I think makes me quite lucky. Like I never had to wait a long time. Um, so I think because I grew up with them and the ones I remember the most, like from what and when I was younger, um, probably the prequel trilogy, but like the classic score is phenomenal all the way through. Um, like the the Star Wars theme, but yeah, the the prequel trilogy. Um, and I think, like my my favorite piece of music from like Star Wars soundtracks, and it's one of my favorite pieces of music ever, is um, Across the Stars, which is the love theme from Attack of the Clones, and it is just it is such a piece beautiful piece of music in its own. Like if you listen to it away from the context of the film. It's stunning and gorgeous. Um, but listening to it in the context of the story, so obviously it plays at the end of Attack of the Clones when Anakin and Padme have gotten married. But it's even hinted at earlier in the soundtrack. So like there's a little refrain from it, which is in the um I think the song's called like the Metal Picnic or something. Um it's like hinted at in there, but the like across the stars itself tells the story of Anakin and Padme's love so beautiful like it starts off so soft and tentative um and it it's very slow very gentle um and that for me makes me actually think of of them meeting in the first film like when they were they didn't know where that journey would go for them um and then it starts to build. It becomes more sure of itself. The more of the orchestra comes in as it starts to to build up. And that's like them at the meadow, them throughout the second film, starting to, to form more in love and realise what's between them is something that's strong. Um, and it just builds up into this really beautiful, really hopeful piece of music. And I think that's, at that point in time, that's what Anakin sees Padme as. He sees Padme as hope. You know, he's had that hard life. He was a slave. He's lost his mom. He sees Padme as that hope for a fresh start, something pure and good and, and wholesome. Um, and then it, the string section starts up, and I love a good string section in a piece of music, but it, it starts up with this big dramatic part. 
um, and some low rumbling drums. There's a big brass section comes in, um, and it's hinting at some darkness there. And again, I think that it touches on the elements on the second film when he goes to that camp and when he kills the Sam people, there is that darkness under him and there is that darkness which will be there and affect the relationship. Um, and then when it hits the main melody again, it, it still has in a way that hopefulness, like there's still hope and promise there, but it has, it starts to bring in this heartbreaking kind of sadness to it as well. It starts to feel almost melancholy. Um, and then by the time it gets to the end and it's 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 dying down and, and the main melody's played again, it's soft again and it's played on a harp and it's very slow and it's almost like looking back. And for this piece, even though it was in the second film, this part of the music for me happens at the end of the third film. It's almost like looking back and looking back with a sadness on things that were good and knowing things can't be that way again. And I think... Anakin, when he first becomes Darth Vader, when he first is in the suit that we know Darth Vader as, um, I think it's shown in the, the Clone Wars as well. It's almost like he's got regret. Like he asks himself, what has he done when 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 he's in the, the, the office with Palpatine? And I think probably he realises he's been used and he realises things have changed and he's done those things and he can't go back. And I imagine he probably looks back on those happier times with Padme with a very big sense of sadness. And for me, that last bit is is him doing that. Um, so yeah, Across across the Stars is like my favourite piece of music from, from the Star Wars films. Um, and I think it just, it just it just stuck me ever since I heard it. Like I always love it. And I like when you hear that music, the scene plays in my head where they're on Naboo and they're getting married. Um, like it's it's such a, a strong piece of music and it conjures such strong images and memories and it's just it's just so well done and I could talk about it for hours. <laughs> I think the title's very literal as well sometimes. So like think about across the stars, like I'm sure that while Anakin mm-hmm. is getting married, it also shows you like the clones being deployed ready to go out of war. Yeah. So it's showing you things on on other planets. And then also like across the stars, you could almost say that like Anakin and Panme spend most of their married life apart because Anakin is a general in the Grand Army of the Republic, so he's going to, he's going to go and fight the war now. Um, so although they get married, they, they, they spend very little time together. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it does allude to that, that distance that is coming and that is, is there between them. But again, just genius. Just genius. <laughs> and I think another thing as well, like obviously... The ghost, I think, of being selfless. So, like, Anakin, I just think all the mistakes he makes, he makes because he's um, he's lost his mum and then he wants yeah. to lose Padme. But it's like, I don't know, I've seen some stick recently coming in for Obi-Wan Kenobi because of how he reacts to Bo-Katan when she wants him to go head head, for, head first into, Malato- and, uh, into um, Mandalore to take out more. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, well, if you had been like, because obviously Obi Wan's um, like cares and has a love for Satine, who more killed, um, yeah. who's Bo's sister, um, trying yeah. like, oh, we should just be going head first. But like, you got to remember Obi Wan, like, you wouldn't go in there head first because if you go in there head first, chances A, it's dark side, 
B, yeah. B, you wouldn't be doing that for the Mandalore people. He would be doing that for himself. Yeah. And it could lead to, and it's exactly what more wanted, if you remember. Um, so, like, so Clone Wars does the right thing by, like, no, we'll take a step back. Like, we'll ask the council, like, would I want to go there and do that? Maybe, but, like, it's not about me. It's not about me getting revenge for Sabine. It's not what this is about. Yeah. And, like, I think, and obviously, like, when he comes across his mother in Tattoo Clones, like, there's a lesson there that, like, he, he did everything he could, killed them all, like, trying to save his mother, and it didn't work. Because guess what? Like, sometimes people die, and it's sad. But, like, the thing that you can directly affect that, like, and bring people back from death, like, is 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 wrong and not right. So, but instead of learning the lesson there, he's just more determined to not let it happen again. So, a game of Padme, he's very much like, oh, well. And then the things he does ends up pushing Padme, like, over the edge more. Yeah, definitely. He, he, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy because if he hadn't acted the way he did, you can argue that that Padme wouldn't have been in the position where she'd been forced choked. She wouldn't have been in the position where the love of our life, the father of our children, has changed so fundamentally from who she thought he was um, that it it leaves her with without the will to live. Um, and that's kind of the the other heartbreak of it. And I, I, I do think you're right. It's it's about the lessons we need to learn that um, life does have a way and it comes to an end. And although we're not quite Jedi and we can't sit there and say, we'll be glad because we've had a good life. Like that obviously takes a lot to work through to, to get to that point of grief. Um, but it is about, it, it is about the lesson that he, he did fail to learn. Um, but simultaneously, like you can't, if, I think there are a lot of people who, if they thought there was a chance they could save the person they love, they would try to do it. Like the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And that is very much Anakin Skywalker's story in in a nutshell. Yeah, no, definitely. What's your second question for me, Katie? Oh, second question. So um, if you could, if there was a new show coming out for Star Wars um, and you could have it set um, anywhere, like when would it be set um, and whose story would it focus on? So like what era? So would it be prequels? Would it be before prequels? Would it be original trilogy? Would it be um, sequel trilogy? Would it be after that? And in whose story would it tell? So it's a live action TV show. If you want it to be, or if you think there's there's room for an, an animated series you'd want to see, then... Or you could do one of each, whatever. So the story I want told the most, which has been hinted at in some comics um, and mentioned in a few books, is like Luke Skywalker after Return of the Jedi. Uh-huh. So it's hinted at in Battlefront 2 in the campaign mode. Yes, when he, uh, he meets Del Miko. Yep, and he's obviously hunting for Jedi artifacts. And I don't know if you spotted that, but the compass he gets from Del Miko, the, that compass is in his house in The Last Jedi. It's in his hut. Yes, yeah. Um. And then also in the new Kylo Ren comic, you see Luke the hunting for Jedi temples with uh, Laws on Tegra. Uh-huh. Luke, Ben, and Laws on Tegra are hunting for Jedi temples. Um, so sort of what Luke's, what Luke's doing before he sets up the uh, the training temple is what I'm after most. Um, the secrets of the Force that he finds. Um, how he goes from being Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight to being Luke Skywalker Jedi Master. 
Um, and I think that for me, obviously, if you tell it in live action, you have to recast them and stuff, which I don't mind doing if they do it tastefully and if right. they get the right guy yeah. in, uh, that's fine. But I think that for me, like, I don't know. I'm not, a t- I'm not this person who's like, oh, it has to be live action and it can't be animated or told in comics. Like, there's many different forms of telling stories. And like Star Wars lends itself to all of them because Star Wars is essentially the story of good versus evil. Um, and that, that can fit into any medium whatsoever if it's told well. So that's the story. Oh, yeah, definitely. So that's the story I want told most. And like, I sort of, I don't know, I think I want it told as a comic book because I think some of the visuals you could get would be brilliant. Um, mm hmm. But so that's the story I want told the most. Um, the story I want told the most for television. So let's just say live action. Hmm. I probably wouldn't mind seeing something like really, really old if it's going to be for live action television. So like maybe like a Knights of the Old Republic series. Um, obviously, we're getting the High Republic coming soon. It's like a um, it's a publisher initiative from Lucasfilm. It's going to be across books and comics. Um, and that's like bef- after the Old Republic, but before the Republic was seeing Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Like that era of the Republic. So if you're going to go further back, I probably wouldn't mind seeing like Old Republic dealing with the Sith Lords when there was like when they weren't Ruler 2. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a trilogy of books that aren't canon uh, by Drew Koshibian. If that's how you pronounce his name, I always butcher names on this podcast. Um, and it's the it's the Darth Bane trilogy, Rule of Two. Um, and it tells the story how Darth Bane tricks the Sith into sort of self destructing, uh, and then he takes on the apprentice, and then he's like, We're going to be in Rule of Two from now on. Um, so it doesn't have to be that story. Like, do we have to decide to get rid of that character and get rid of that stuff? That's sort of, yeah, like, not fine with me, but like, I'm happy to, like, if they give us a good story, they give us a good story. Do you know what I mean? So, but something telling us, obviously, we know the Sith were Legion. We know that there's now only a rule of two. Um, and then for some reason, by Rise of Skywalker, I just rule of one. Um, <laughs> for no explanation. <laughs> but, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so like maybe looking at the Sith and how the Sith were once Legion and how they become the rule of two would be make for a really good TV show. I think you could get some, like, you could get some Game of Thrones vibes in there. Um, yes. some like Vikings vibes then watch Vikings some Vikings vibes in there um, while also getting like the Mandalorian show vibes in there um, mm-hmm. and I think that, like, that would make for really really awesome storytelling and it would give all the fans good bits of knowledge about that era and also it's that far removed that it's not connected to any characters that like in the, in, in the canon at the minute that people hold too dearly yeah. So you can make people love and hate the characters the creators wanted, like as because of being new characters. Definitely. Have you got any? Sounds good. Let's get it made. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll sure run it if you um if you if you put the money up. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I think I've got a fiver. Put when we move somewhere, we'll start from <laughs> crowd crowdfunding. Crowdfunding. <laughs> Well, if you get a walking stick, you can just walk around your garden loads of times and then we'll get money. <laughs> That's how we do it. <laughs> no, I'm just joking there. Captain Captain Tom is a good guy. I'm just joking. He's a good guy. Um, okay. um, is it my question for you? Yes. Yeah, it is. What's your favourite film to watch uh, in the Star Wars movies? So, um, 
Like, what's the one you'd love to just put on at any time and just watch? Ooh. Or it could be your favourite. You don't know. Part of me was going to say Rogue One, just because obviously it is, it obviously does fit into the to the universe, but it, it is a standalone story. Like, um, but then I have to be in a very good mind space to watch Rogue One, just because the ending makes me cry. Um, so, um, well, you know what they say: Star probably, Wars is tragedy. Star Wars is tragedy. Do you know what? Probably um, Return of the Jedi. And I, I love that film. And I said this where I used to work, like when I'd seen the new one, and I was like, it's no Return of the Jedi, but I liked it. And they were like, you think Return of the Jedi is the best Star Wars film? And I was like, do you know what? I do. I do. And I'll stand by it. Um, so, yeah, probably, like, I can just pop it on. I know where I'm at with it. Like, as soon as it starts, I'm like, yeah, I get what's going on. Um, and I just, I love it. But I think the thing I love about the the Star Wars films is there's never like one like story going off through all of it like it'll zip and zag between like loads of different ones but they're all done well and I appreciate that like I appreciate there's a lot to watch and there's a lot to take in um and I think that that happens best in in Return of the Jedi it's just my opinion. <laughs> no, well, I think like you've got to remember that, like obviously, like George was greatly influenced by the sort of the serial dramas of the um, of the fifties and onwards. So, like when he was a kid, he'd watch Flash Gordon and stuff, which was like a serial drama. So, like you wouldn't need to technically have watched the episode before, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and it's the same. Like if you go into Clone Wars, how like if you ever watch episode of Clone Wars, you get that little introduction at the start, like the voice of War yeah. does like the narration. Um, so, like again, that's why you have the crawl, the crawl text before the movie. It's like, oh well, he has, he has, he has yeah. where this story's up to. Bang, there you go. I've told you everything you need to know to enjoy it. Obviously, if you know, if you know more, you'll enjoy it more. But like, I, I feel like if you just what read the crawl and watch the movie, the crawl gives you enough to where you can enjoy the movie for its like sole story point of view. And oh, obviously, yeah, and if you watch them all, you understand the grand whole bit. But, but I think Return of the Jedi, I think like. You know, obviously, Empire Strikes Back is a masterpiece, um, and everybody loves it. But I think Return of the Jedi, like the themes that deals with it, deals with the, the theme of sort of Luke. It deals with temptation. Luke's tempted by the dark side of the Force. Um, it deals with redemption. Anakin's tempted by the light side of the Force at the end, and it is essentially the love of his son that makes mm-hmm. him um, that 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 redeems him. Um, obviously, you have the victory. Um, as well, so that's a, yeah. so it's an awesome ending. You get the victory. Um, it's probably got the best space battle ever filmed at the end of it. Even now, like nineteen eighty three, that's the greatest space battle I've ever seen. Is that space battle? Yeah. And then the way that's cut with the ground battle uh, going on on the surface of Endor is absolutely brilliant. Um, like 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 the pacing is brilliant. I think the movie's pace brilliant as well. Like obviously, you start off on Tatooine somewhere we've seen before. But that's what I mean. Like you go so many places, and I think it would have been so easy for it to feel like you'd only spent a couple of minutes in each of them, or like things had been rushed through. But you get to the end of the film, and you're like, no, like everything's been dealt with. Like nothing felt rushed. It, as you say, it is just paced, paced brilliantly. Like it's done so well. And then I think 
especially for me, because obviously I got to watch all the Star Wars films when I was really little, and that's the joy of, of being born when I was. I obviously loved the Ewoks because of a cuddly teddy bears to me. I was yeah. like, oh, it's it's a teddy bear. I want a teddy bear. I love the Ewoks. Um, and I think that sticks in my mind as well. And I think that's part of why I love watching it because it just takes it. I don't know, it just fills us with like this warmth of when I was a kid and just like look at the little teddy bears and the Ewoks. Yeah. And I think that 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 has a joy to it. And the the relationships between like Leia and the Ewoks and then the scene where they're in the camp and like the thing C3PO's the god. And I don't know why, that just always cracked me up as a kid. Like it was it's just good. <laughs> it's just good. Yeah, definitely like people don't realise like just how funny Star Wars is. It, like it's all filled with humour. The story of Star Wars is like filled in so much myth and legend and it's very deep on emotional levels. But it is a children's story. So you have to have that humour there and like three PO is basically there there for the humour quite a lot of time. If you look at Empire, which is such a dark movie, it's sort of his back and forth for Han Solo throughout the whole film. Yeah. Um, that gives you those little, uh, humour bites. He has my favourite bit in um, Rise of Skywalker as well, where, like, obviously he's had his memory wipe and everything, and Babu Frick introduces him, like, hi, Babu Frick. And then, like, later on, he's like, Babu Frick, he's, like, one of my oldest friends. And I don't know why, that just really made me have like, so much. <laughs> like, as I say, I don't really get why it made us laugh as much as it did, but it did. I do love saying people. No, yeah, like, that's that's what he's there for. Like, as a character, he's... he's there to sort of ease the tension because he's often like he's often feeling the tension of the story yeah like he's often he's a very nervous guy he suffers from anxiety I think um, and but then but then the way he goes on his back and forth with the character is like is, is the humour that eases the tension on the audience mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think if you turn the is a really great shout really great movie I think like you got to remember this movie is where we get like we get Palpatine the Emperor, yeah, like in all in all of his glory, um, we get Luke finally confronting his demons. Um, we get Lando Calrissian making up for his mistakes of the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, we finally get to see the crime syndicate of Jabba the Hutt. Yes. Uh, so we we get a lot of stuff. We get um, obviously we're only on Dagobah for a short time, but obviously we get Yoda's death and like how powerful that is. Forever, yeah. very emotional. No, it is. Yeah, I mean, only there for a little bit, as you said. But but when we're there, we get like all the emotion like driven into us from the theme, from the dialogue, from Mark Hamill's acting, from the performance of the puppet, the emotion we get out of the performance of the puppet. Um, like all of that, it, it comes across straight away. Um, and that's when sort of then when Luke returns, like. Obviously, he doesn't tell them what he's gone through, but it's like, do you know what I mean? He's, his friends died. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fundamental experience. No, definitely. What's your next question for me, Katie? Okay. So, my next question for you is who is the most underrated Star Wars character or one that you think gets a lot of undeserved hate? I mean, you think about hate, like Jar Jar being straight away. <laughs> yeah, he gets a lot of a lot of uh, stick. But you got to remember that he got hate like back in like nineteen ninety nine. So like social media wasn't a thing then. So you would have had publications driving that because the internet wasn't a yeah. Well, internet from a 
in the net from a consumer point of view wasn't how what it is. So like big businesses might have had it, but like but the internet wasn't a thing where like everybody could go on it how they do now. Mm-hmm. But like like I say, like you you gotta remember that like Jar Jar's a really funny character. Um he's there to laugh at, he's there to laugh with, he's there to ease the tension. Yeah. Um don't don't you gotta remember like Phantom Menace is a story of a trade dispute turning into like a, a war. Yeah. And it's like it's that's not a that's not a nice thing to deal with. Do you know what I mean? It's quite sinister. Uh and you've got these you've got this sinister Sith Lord pulling the strings in the background of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um so you've got like you need your humour somewhere. Um as I said before, C three PO is often the humour in Star Wars. So at the beginning of this movie he's not in the movie yet. So like you need you need that humour from somewhere. And do you go, all right, we'll make Obi Wan funny or we'll make Qui Gon Jinn funny. Probably not because they're your main Jai characters and they need to be serious. Um, do you make the Queen funny? Probably can't make the Queen funny because she's dealing with a lot of stuff. Like people are dying, people are being yeah. imprisoned. So you can't make her funny. So who do you make funny? Oh, well, we'll introduce this character who has a good heart and wants to help our heroes. But he's very clumsy and he's uh, from a different world. So he doesn't know about droids and spaceships. He lives in the sea. He knows about fish. Um. You know, and, and and I get it like, that the dialogue's like over the top funny, and like he's sometimes over the top clumsy. But again, you got to remember Star Wars is made for children. Well, this is the thing. Like I resonated a lot with George uh, Art because, as you know, Peter, when I was a child, I had a lot of trips to E and E. Like I was a very clumsy child, and I was like, I saw myself represented in George Art Binks, and I'm not afraid to say that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like I know that some people say like, like is is is, is dialogue's meant to be um. Like, I don't know, a bit racist, supposedly. But, I mean, like, I, I don't know that. And, like, as a white male, I, I probably wouldn't know that. But you, I think you've got to remember that, like, Armored Best, who played him, is a black man. And he didn't have any problem. Yeah. Um. So, like, I think if there, if there was a serious issue with that, I think he would be the first to voice up. But I think, like, you've got to remember as well that, like, George R. Binks is the first, like, mocap character in cinema history. Yeah. So, so without George R. Binks, you don't get Gollum and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's very much a, a stepping stone. And George, so George was pushing the boundaries straight away. I mean, there's a great bit in the documentary. Um, there's a documentary making of the Phantom Menace, um, and so ILM like buy this suit, and it, I think it's like hundred grand or something. And then, uh, and then George like buy the suit, and then they do it, and then they find out that like, oh, we don't actually need the suit. We could probably just like map, map his body on using the dots. And George is like, oh, so could have saved, <laughs> could have saved a hundred grand. So it's quite, it's quite funny. But I think like, you got remember this like people hating on the character for no reason. Like he's not a big part of the movie. Like you know what I mean, it's not as if they took Obi Wan Kenobi and made him like farcical. It's not as if they took Darth Maul or Palpatine and made yeah. him farcical. Like he's a new character they've introduced, and I think that like. I think they hate. I mean, hate hate's a strong word, and hate's uncalled for, especially with something as like as a like hating a character from a movie. Like a character in the movie's never been doing anything wrong to you. But, like more people hate Jar Jar Binks than they hate world leaders who are like actually yeah. living their lives apart. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's probably where hate needs to be at. But I think if you look at like what Armor Best sort of said, where like he did an Instagram post, I think it was last year, where it was like him on this um, jetty, it was him and his son, and he was like, oh, like. 
a while ago I stood here by myself and he was contemplating ending his own life. And that's because of like the constant, constant backlash and hate going towards him just because he mm-hmm. played a character one time. And it's just like, do you know what I mean? I think that like, if you look at the way Simon Pegg went on during that time, like he certainly um, helped foster that idea that you could be hateful towards things yeah. just because you didn't like them. And now I think as well it's sad because it shows um, in, in these nigh on two decades since that happened, we haven't gotten better, we haven't learned from it because like, look at Kelly Marie Tran, who like, she took herself off social media. Everyone was so aggressive towards a character and like that was a, it was a good character. Like it had its part in telling the story. It it, it advanced things on. Like I I loved Rose Teagle and I, like Kelly Marie Tran, I've never met her. From the clips I've seen and you just given, she seems like such a pure soul, and it, it breaks me heart. I think that for for a, for a moment or for many moments, she has thought, he, you know, things are so bad. I'm I'm having to take myself off social media. Yeah, I mean, I think this will like, I think like those people who do that yeah. are bad people. So like, it's not a case of oh, I'm a nice person, but I hate that character so much. That I'm gonna badmouth the actor who played the character. It's like, well, like no, like if you're doing that, then like you you're probably being negative in that way in all aspects of your life. I'd imagine, yeah, like you're not a nice person. Like, is the character like? I'm not. I'm not a big fan of Rise of Skywalker. Like, is it's it's it, it's all right. I enjoyed the movies. I watched it again the other day. But like, you don't. I've got, I've got a few issues with the script. But like, I'm not out there. I mean, I've, I, a I don't really tweet about it at all. And B, like, I certainly don't go writing letters to Chris Terrio yeah. saying nasty things. Like, I am sure they set out to make a lovely movie. Yeah. And 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 guess what? There's a lot of people who oh, love that definitely. movie. So, like, so I'm, I'm not necessarily right to have criticism. I just do have criticism. But I keep that to myself, more or less. I talk about when it comes up on the podcast sometimes. But but I'm not like over the top with it. Where I'm like messaging creators, like or messaging actors. I think that's too I... far. And I think that like it goes to show that it ha- it happened before. It happened here in 1999 before social media was a thing. So it goes to like people can be like, oh, social media is a bad tool. It's like no, no, like people are bad. Yeah. And then you give them a tool, and then those bad people yeah. do bad. I think whenever I've tool. seen like you, you wanna... give criticism of things, like you always have a reason why I didn't like it. And like it's always a fair reason, and then you always kind of round it off with like, I get why they did it though. Like, and I think that's what people need to realize. Like, they could not have made a film that pleased every single person. There are millions, if not billions, of Star Wars fans in the world. Like, you you can't make a film that gets it spot on right for for everyone because it it would just be feasibly impossible. Um, and I think I think people need to to understand that as well. And like the whole point. You know, if you're that bothered and you really want a story that ends the way you go and write the story, go and write your own story and have it end the way you want it to. Like, but while someone else is, is putting in all that hard work, I appreciate it and just say, well, thanks for that. That was great. Yeah, so there's nothing like at the end of the day. Yeah. Kenny Marie Chan's doing that job. She's been given a character, I've been given a script. And she's thingy. So, like, to go after her so hard was just... Go after anybody so hard. I mean, if you look like she's come off social media, Daisy Ridley's come off social media. Um, like they haven't come off. Like that's not. Like that's that's on purpose. Yeah. Why they've come off as a reason for that. But again, I think it's a. I don't think it's necessarily a problem in the fandom. 
oh, yeah. I think it's a problem like in the world. Like does that house a lot a lot of people go on like that? And Sally when oh, they're being that boisterous, it's loud as well. Definitely. So it's hard to I avoid. Agree. But yeah, so like I think Jar Jar gets a lot of hate, undeservedly so. Um, I think I'd already discussed sort of why he's in the movies there for comic relief. He's there to ease attention on what's quite a serious movie. Um, all the other characters in the film sort of need to be serious because of what's going on around them. Um, so, like, really, like, he is this film's C3PO. Like, he's there for the comic relief. Um, and then, as you see, once um, episodes two and three come along, and C3PO is in them more, mm-hmm. George was in it less. Because obviously, we've got the comic relief there now. That makes sense. Um, so, so yeah, like, he's, 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 like for me, like, it's totally undeserved that what, what what went on with that character, and like, it's a hundred percent not acceptable to to drive a man nearly to suicide, which I think is what a lot of these fans, well, not a lot, but a lot of these people who were sort of being very disgusting and voicing a lot of negativity towards George, like that's what yeah. that's what them people did. They drove all the best to nearly do that. Uh, but it was great to see Full Circle. Like, I saw a celebration in April last year. Like, I was in the Phantom Menace Trenton anniversary panel. And obviously, like, celebration. I've never ever... I've been in three celebrations. And these fans who are so, so negative, and I say fans, I don't think they are fans, because you never see them or hear them at th- I think like Star Wars celebration. They're just like cable warriors yeah. at home, just bashing out like hate. But when it comes to, but when it comes to an event where you've got to spend your money and go and enjoy yeah. something, they, they don't do it. Uh, because obviously you don't have that drive to be a real feel fan um, and like say like the stand ovation that Armour Best got when he come out and he got it all weekend um, I think it was good to see him enjoying it and it was good to see everyone doing it it was just a case of like look like those fans who were very very horrible to you like yeah. they aren't all of the fans in fact they're probably a minuscule amount that is really loud but right here and now this is the real Star Wars yeah. and we're sending you love no cool yeah. So that was really, really cool. And another underrated character would be um would be Dexter from uh, Dexter's Dexter. Diner. <laughs> Just because you know, well, no he tells you what he wanted like wouldn't have found Camino without you him. you love Dexter. Because <laughs> them droids just focus on symbols. Very true. But it's the but it's the cuts on the side that Very give it true. away. So without that, could we yeah. even find the army? So very, very, very important that plot of that whole movie. He's a good character. He seems a good guy. He is, yeah. I like his diner. I would love to go <laughs> and have a cup of Java juice one day. Is it, it my is turn to ask you a question? Yes. Okay. My question is, um, who is your... Favorite character from each trilogy Ooh. and why? Okay, so obviously in the original trilogy, it's Leia. Um, just because, like, I I, I cannot underestimate the importance of that character. Well, I cannot overestimate rather the the importance of that character to like I mean young people but like young girls especially because you know when we first see Princess Leia she she's very young um like 
did they ever put an age on her? I'm in my, in my head, she's like a teenager, late teens, early 20s. Well, she's, she's the same age as the twins, aren't they? So she's the same yeah. age as Luke Sainter, around so, 1920, I believe. Um, yeah. She's a senator so she's, in the... Um, yeah, in the she's got Imperial Senate. Um, a lot going on. She's very outspoken, as you say. She's a she's a senator. She's got that responsibility, but I think just teaching the lesson that some princesses don't need rescuing. That you know you you can you can rescue yourself. You don't need to be relying on other people to save you. Like it's good to sometimes have other people and things like that, but you can save yourself. You don't need permission to do things you can go out and do them yourself because you think it's the right thing to do or because it's what needs to be done. Um, and, you know, we say, uh, like, as a leader, um, we say uh, on the battlefield, we say uh, making plans, um, we say uh, taking risks and getting every bit involved in on the front line as Han and Luke. And it was never like, well, you can't do that because you're a woman. And I think even today... There are still limitations where things like that happen. Like, well, no, you were you were a woman. Like, you can't really go off and do that. Um, and to to see Leah out there doing all the same things the 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 guys were doing and doing it just as well, and not having like, you know, she's the one that that comes up with some of the plans to save them. So Princess Leah, definitely um, my favorite character. Also, she's very like. She's quite sarcastic with her wit, and I appreciate that as well. Um, but yeah, looking up, like growing up, I had like Princess Leia to look up to, and that's, you know, it's a, it's a good role model to have. Like, there's a reason where, why, people, like, love the character of Leia so much, and part of it is the character, and part of it is Carrie Fisher's performance. But like, you look at those women's marches, like there's so many signs that have Princess Leia on them. Like it, it is a cultural phenomenon because I wasn't the only person who felt like this. I wasn't the only person who felt like they suddenly had some much needed representation. That's not me saying she's the only female character like that or she was the first like that because I know that's not the case at all. But in terms of me accessing those stories, she's the first one I can really remember because as I say, like I've grown up with Star Wars. Like I've, in my head, I know obviously... I couldn't, I couldn't have always seen Star Wars, but I can't remember a time when I hadn't seen those films because obviously they were just on because you've had them on. So, like, from where my memory starts, there's always been Star Wars. Like, <laughs> it's always been there. Um, In the prequel trilogy... So just to, just to just talk about Leia, so obviously... I think you remember, like, obviously, like, Carrie Fisher has sadly passed away now, and it's been a number of years since she passed away. But like as you said there, like she's still on the. I mean, if you look at it in the film world, she's still just been the yeah. main part of the latest movie. So that's how integral she is to Star Wars, like the character of Regana. But then also, if you look in the real world, like say Carrie Fisher's been gone a number of years, but like it's still her face on these banners. It's still her quotes that are part of these political marches and these women's marches. So even after death, she's still influencing. Oh yeah, generations I think Carrie Fisher was. I don't even want to say once in a generation because I think that says there's more there's more people like her than there is. But she is was like a, a fixed point in time. There was never someone like Carrie Fisher before, and I, I don't think there'll be anyone like her again. Like I, it's 
obviously people get saddened when you know celebrities or whatever pass away but I never felt pain for someone I'd never met like when Carrie died and it, I, I found it very odd because in my head I was like I've never met her you know like I, I don't know her we're not friends and yet it really like it left me a bit heartbroken and I was watching an episode of Smallville the other day and I forgot Carrie Fisher had been in Smallville and her face popped up on the screen and it caught me really off guard and I got really emotional and it's just I think it had so much to do with who she was she was again part in in, in how she carried herself as a person I think especially in in later life she was very much look I'm here for me I'm I'm gonna do what's right for me I don't care what other people think like I'm living my life the way I want to live it which is a very important lesson but like in the 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 role models she gave everyone but especially young women in terms of Leah and in terms of as herself um but yeah like there's I don't think there'll ever be words in the English language that can describe how like much of a one-off Carrie Fisher was. Oh, definitely. And I think if you go back to sort of, like, the episode four, New Hope, like, you can remember that, like, Han and Luke don't go to the Death Star to rescue her. Like, they're trying to reach Alderaan, and then they end up landing on the Death Star because yeah. something else has happened, which they don't know about. Obviously, Alderaan's been blown up and the Death Star's in its place. Um, and like in the day, and then and then they decide to rescue her when the final yeah. she's there when they check the computer. Um, and Han's only sort of half horse on the plan. Luke's been in another farm his whole life, so like the plan is the march into the detention center cause havoc. It's a one way in, one way <laughs> out system, by the way, the detention center. Uh, so they let her out the cell, but then other than that, the rest of the plan is shit. <laughs> It's terrible. Sorry for terrible the language, but it, it, but it is. It is. And like, she's like, what's the plan? And I'm like, oh, we're going to stand here in this corridor and just shoot down there until like, on the enemy too. dies. But like, <laughs> the enemies, but the, enemy, the enemy's got infinite enemies. Like, they've got so many troopers on the planet that like, if they'd kill yeah. 10, the number 10 will come through the door. And that's when she like takes a blaster, shot, shoots the drain. It's like, I'll get out the firing line into the garbage chute. Um, what should she say? No, she does. Scorn fly boy, scorn swing house, that kind. But, um, but yeah, because um, yes, they have that around the cell, but I think she very much realizes straight away that, like, this is not a plan. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it actually isn't a plan. Like, I haven't got a plan. Yeah. Um, um, from the. From the prequel trilogy, I'm, I think, again, I'm going to have to say, Padme, like, simply because, like, for similar reasons in terms of, like, here was a badass woman who, again, had that power. She was in the Senate. She was obviously very... Um, learned in her field and like what she knew she was very clear on her principles like she wasn't going to have her people suffering Um, she she wasn't also going to get herself out of the firing line and leave her people in them 
And I think I have a, a lot of respect for that. And I think in my head, that's how political leaders should be. But they're not. Um, they all need to be a bit more like Padme Amidala. Um, but the like, even in uh, Attack of the Clones, when they're on, it's Geonosis, isn't it? Um, like, and she fights back and like again straight away she's in the mist there's no argument of her um like not going and fighting alongside Anakin and Obi-Wan um and yeah I again another strong strong character um and then in terms of the sequel trilogy um I do love BBA. I do love Babu. I just I love small characters like BBA, Babu Frick, um. But Amalyn Holdo, um, just for the, you know, the way she she takes the flack from Paul in that like, and she she doesn't begrudge him for it. She like kind of understands where he's coming from, like you know, in in the way she deals with it afterwards, like, she could, like, have shouted and screamed at him. She didn't, she was very, you know, she understood, like, he still got a lot to learn. She was very understanding. And I think part of that is because she was so confident in her abilities. She knew what she knew. She knew what she was going to do. She knew she had her plan and she was going to hold steady and carry it out. Um, And I think there's a lot to be learned in being... Um, very sh- sure and confident in your abilities, and um, I'm going to say this, and I don't for a second think Paul Dameron is the type of character who would treat a woman differently than a man. But as a woman, it's very easy for him. Like quite often, you'll come up with things, and you'll be questioned a lot, and it's especially by men. Like again, I'm not saying Paul Dameron's that type of character, but it, like he was just the character in the story that was there um and to see her hold her own and be like no this plan it's my plan to for her to sit there and carry it out and and get it done um it i think is is an important lesson you gotta remember you gotta remember that like obviously she the problem the problem with that whole thing is that like paul's problem is that like she doesn't tell him the plan so like and that's why he oh yeah no that's what he thinks i mean i'm not so he comes up with a he comes up with a plan. So like, and I think I, obviously it might be because she's a woman, but also it's because like yeah, he I don't. Really, I, he's never again, met I don't before. think it is in that situation. Yeah. Like Paul's not done that because she's a woman. But I'm just saying, quite often, especially yeah. women in leadership positions, yeah. do have their plans or their ideas or their leadership constantly questioned. And I think it was refreshing to see that happen and for, for her yeah. to have that confidence in what she was doing was very good. And then obviously, you know, she. She sacrifices herself in in the end, um, to to save all those lives. And I th- again, I think it was so often you do just see, like, it is, and it's not. It's just because even if you look at films now, the majority of characters are still men. So it's always men making the sacrifice play, and it's always men saving the day because it's men that are there in the films to do it. So I think to have those characters and do it and like yeah. they built it well where they built like 
you had that em- emotional connection to her like they didn't just bring her in for five minutes and then heated her like it built in, in your kind of group understand and then when you understand what you've done as well you appreciate it more so I just think it was well done and I, I, I loved the character of Holdo and if I had a, a series made it would be about Holdo and I'd want to know all about what she'd been doing to get her at that point So I, I want to recommend you a book. It's called uh, Leia, okay. Princess of Alderaan. And, it, and I believe it tells the story of how a young Leia meets a young Holdo and they become friends Get there. Get it on the wish list. I'll put it on. Who I believe it's written by Claudia Gray, I think. Stars, isn't she? Or who wrote Last Stars? I think it's Claudia Gray. <laughs> I'll double check. I might I'll double one. check it for you, yeah. Um, Princess of Alderaan. Yeah, Claudia Gray. There we go. There we go. We'll get it on the. Uh, we'll get it on the Amazon wish list. Um, is it time for me to ask you a question? I think it is, isn't it? What, okay, so question four. Is, if yeah, you could is, visit yeah. one planet or place, so it could be uh, like a, a small specific location, like you might want to go to Dexter's diner, um, or it could be a planet or a city. Um, so a planet or place from Star Wars, where would it be and why? Hmm. That's a tough one. I think um, well, based on Jedi Fallen Order, I would not go to Dathan <laughs> no, here and tell you that much. Fun. <laughs> That's a, a horrible Every place. Every two seconds, something else um, is jumping out, and I was just like, I can't do this. I need a break. <laughs> yeah. No, I think... Um, hmm. Okay. I think it would like a Yavin 4. Like, obviously, obviously the Rebel base is set up in like an old temple of some sort. Um, and there's like a lot more of that there. Mm-hmm. So I would love to go and explore like more of like that sort of aspect. Or, I don't know. Like, I'd say I want to go like some like places with a rich, rich history. So, like, maybe the temples on Yavin 4, maybe even the like the whole Jedi structure on Act 2. Just looking at all yeah. the like original temple work there. Um, you can see the same for Jeddah as well. Like those statues that are knocked over, I would love to like go to Jeddah, like when it was easier to get there, and like no imperial occupation, and like see what was going on, and look at all the look at all the sort of yeah all the things to do with the force there. Um, yeah, I think that would be really cool. Um, no, sounds great. <laughs> try thing. Yeah, like obviously. Like, I mean, everybody will probably at some point wants to go in the canteen <laughs> on Tatooine and just get some drinks, which would be cool. But like that would only last you so long. But like if you went somewhere where you could like proper explore, yeah. Um, like I think I think exploring Jedi temples of old mm-hmm. would be really really fascinating. And I'm not saying, and I don't know what kind of temple it is on Yavin Four, but whatever that is would be cool to, yeah, cool to explore. There we go. 
Okay. Um, so here's one for you. So, um, so if you could choose a video game to be set anywhere in the Star Wars galaxy, where would you choose it to be uh, set? And sort of what sort of story would you want Ooh. to play in a video game? Ooh. Um... That's a good question. Part of us would love the chance to play it as Ahsoka Tano. Um, but then part of us thinks like a, a new character in, in the way that Fallen Order introduced us to Cal Kestis. Because one of the things I do love about uh, the the Star Wars games is they add to canon. Like it's it's another way of getting more from the movies, but like the, the games are a really interactive way do it really well um from where we see ahsoka um when she she buries the the rest of the 332 um up until she pops up in rebels then doesn't she does she um is it not the 501st i thought hers was the 332 I thought hers was the three three two. Pardon? Rex is the five oh first. Anakin Hoff's the five oh first, doesn't he? Oh maybe. Yeah. So half the five oh first go at Anakin and they end up breeding the Jedi Temple with him. And the other half. Or with the Soga and end up dying in the crash. Alright, oh, okay. Um but from when Anyway, from there, she, she next pops up in Rebels, doesn't she? Uh, so it was a novel first, um, just called Ahsoka by E.K. Johnson. But So in canon, that's her next point. I'd like to see... Rebels, yeah. I don't know, maybe it could be fun to play through a, a game between these two, those two points, either between her on that planet in the book or between the book and Rebels. Um and something similar, in a way, to to Fallen Order, or I don't know, where she's just trying to do something to to save what she can of 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 the Jedi or Force users, um, like her trying to to do something good. Because even though she wasn't a a Jedi when it when Order sixty six went down. Um, I still think she she wouldn't you know she as a as a character wouldn't have have gave up on that she would still be out there doing the right thing. Um, well, if you watch Rebels, she ends up becoming like yeah. Fulcrum, which is essentially um, a yeah. rebel spy. So maybe some adventures in that, in in her being a, a rebel spy would be pretty cool. I recommend you reading them. Um... Ahsoka by E.K. Johnston then. Um, it's a, I believe it's a, a YA book. Um, so it's pretty pretty easy read, really good I'll read. get on it. I'll add it, add it to the list. Oh, is it my turn for your final question? So, last question for you then, Pete. Yep. Uh, favourite vehicle from Star Wars and why is your favourite vehicle? Mm. Probably the Millennium Falcon. 
like ever since you first see it on screen, it's like monumental. And then I remember when I was about four years old, five years old, and I got the Kenna, Kenna uh-huh. Millennium Falcon. I was going to say, which I still have now it's um, in my office now. I'm looking at it, and it's absolutely ruined. Like the like, but I still just love looking at it. Even ruined it because it's just shit that is a piece of junk. Even when it's like, even when the toy itself is damaged, it still yeah. looks brilliant on display. Um, so I think like just the memories I have of like not just watching that ship, but also like my imagination of playing with that ship as well. Um, is pretty pretty cool. Um, so tough question really because like all the sort of ship designs are very iconic. Um, like doing like the X wings, very iconic. Yeah. Um, for me, for me, like for me, like the Falcon was always my favorite. And then when the when the prequel trilogy came out, I fell in love with like the Jedi mm-hmm. interceptors, the sort of the the Jedi starfighters. Um, so I don't see the Falcon as number one, but I think it's something about like all the Star Wars, even the Tie Fighters, um, the Naboo ships. Like I mean, they're very yeah. different in style, but they're very di- but they're very definitive of what they are. I think like that makes it feel very visceral, very mm-hmm. real. Um, that's why when people go like, "Well, like Star Wars isn't real." Like, why do you so much? It's like it's because here the story like hits home on such an emotional level and on such a human level. But then the design and everything in the in in, in the in the shows and in the movies, the design's very like very yeah. visceral and very real. You can like imagine it very easily. You can touch it very easily in your mind. Um, on all the designs from like Slave One to Tie mm-hmm. Fighter, A Wing to X Wing, to um, like I said, the Naboo ships, the Pod Racers, like even the Land Speeder, like the Speeder bikes, they're all very like I don't know. They're not real because obviously it's fantasy, but but the but they look yeah. very real, and they feel very real, and they sound real. Like the sound design that goes into them, it all sort of comes together to tell the story. Like all the vehicles are sort of I don't know. Like, I never watched Star Wars and thought, oh, that fog yeah. doesn't look real. I, I was always just like, oh, wow, like, that's like, looks looks so real. Like, and, yeah. like, do you know what I mean? And because it does, like, because it breaks down a lot, like, it's not as if it's, like, too good to be true. So, yeah, it's a fashion <laughs> shit in the galaxy, but uh, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it won't it just fly. needs a moment to sort itself out. <laughs> well, a few we'll moments if you watch a man strikes, but, but, um, yeah, so like, do you know what I mean? I think like, I think I think overall the ships are. I mean, the Falcon's probably a Star Wars character at this point. I think like that's like like well, that reveal in Force Awakens. It, like it was it was like reveal the legacy it, character. Like it has got a a a, a conscience. Like L three is wired into the the Falcon. So I'd count it as a character because I'd say it's uh it's got a per- it's got personality. Like. It's, for me, it's it's a character. Yeah. Do you wish that Lando had acknowledged L three in their Rise of Skywalker? Yes, I do. The mystical the opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, I loved L three. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'd, I'd say the Falcon, but I think like all of the ship design and all the vehicle design in Star Wars is part of what makes like. Us fans love Star Wars so much because, like I said, it they are just so like so visceral. Like even if you look at Force Awakens, like the crash yeah. Star Destroyers and Jakku, like do you know what I mean? Like straight away when it's that panned up on the screen, I was like, oh, that's a Star Destroyer that in the trailer. 
that's class what a, class, a crash star destroyer like just the scale of that is like in your brain yeah. starts getting like excited well, like, that's before you even see the movie stuff um, the trailer Zephyr in Fallen Order and there's the crashed the crashed um, Venator and like again that's huge giant um, and it's like do you ever see that do you ever see that crash from Far Out? How do you mean? So, like, when I... In the Clone Wars finale, like, my first yes, source turned I don't... Zepho. I don't know, because Zepho does have some ice in that, does it? Um, Because I, I thought that. I was like, oh, I wonder if that's... You know, that crash site. I don't know. You don't see, you don't see it from Far Out, because once you get to it and you're there, like, it's right in front of you. In the game, and you don't get the chance. Um, yeah. I think it would be very cool if it was, but I, I don't know if it is. But we don't yeah. know that. We, but we can't confirm nor deny. So it could be. Was yes. my last question for you last now? One. Okay. Um... Is there um, any so if you could pick any actor or actress who hasn't been involved in the Star Wars, uh, who would you choose and why? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, off the top of my head, I'm gonna say. Um, Tatiana Maslany, simply just because she is so versatile. Like you could give her any role, and she could absolutely destroy it. Um, so she is in Orphan Black, which is a show about clones, and she basically plays like all of the main characters. Um, and you have to remind yourself when you're watching that it's her playing seven characters. Like, you honestly think they're all different people. Like, the way she plays them is phenomenal. So I think she could do something incredible um, simply because she's just such an incredible actress. Um, if it was quite an, like, action-y type role, like, obviously there's a lot of heavy stunts in The Mandalorian and stuff. Um, someone like Katie Lotz from Legends of Tomorrow and the Arrowverse, she like is trained in all those like martial arts and she does all her own stunts. Um, and again, she's a very good actress, and I think she could really add something, um, to the field. Um, I'm trying to think, who else? Um, I don't know. Um, oh, it's a tough one because I think there's a there's a lot of stories left to be told, and I think there's a lot of different types of characters um, that we could have. Um, I think Tom Holland could play a very good, very excitable young Jedi like if you did a story about like a a young Padawan um, or someone about to become a Padawan 
um, or like in the later stages of their paddle one years, getting ready to become a master. So like sort of like the age we meet Obi-Wan at in the first, in the Phantom Menace. Like I think he could do something incredible with that because um, he does kind of really excited well, but he also does very like heartfelt scenes well. Um, but yeah, so Tatiana Mastani, Katie Lotz, Tom Holland. So I think with Tatiana Maslany, um, I totally agree with you. So like be- between like 2014 and like 2018, like I think she's had quite a few meetings with Lucasfilm about stuff and like just nothing's ever stuck. Get it done. Get her in. Who do we need to ride to? So I think obviously, well, I think obviously like obviously waiting for like the right part to click. So like hopefully that, they keep bringing her into arenas hopefully and like and hopefully she gets something because she is absolutely brilliant. It's funny like in, an episode that's going to go out before this one, um, myself, um, Jordy Jedi, Alan, and Callan Junkie XL, Ian, we're discussing like we're discussing like her and like and how good she is, um, and like, I think like yeah, definitely, definitely needs to get involved. Um, I always go for um, I always go for uh, Viggo Mortensen, just because if he's uh, if you ever watched the making of documentaries like the appendices yeah. of all the Rings movies. Like his, his sheer work rate is absolutely phenomenal. He's a great actor, and I think he could play like he could come in and play like a proper chiseled body, like a like a grizzly yeah. grizzly chiseled body, or he could, or he could play like a wise old good character, or he could play an assassin. Like he could play probably almost yeah. anyone, and it wouldn't surprise you. So like he could be like he could be the evilest, the evilest. He could be the goodest of good. He could just be like a bounty hunter who has doesn't have very many morals. He could play like all of those things that you would need. So like, I think he would be like a great show. And because he works so hard on his craft, I think like it yeah. would come through in the character. Definitely no. Well, of Vigo. That brings us an end to uh, the episode. It was great getting to know you, Katie. It was no me, Peter Adams, no one you, Katie Adams. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where can the people find us um, on social so media? So you can find us on my Twitter, at festivebake underscore. Um, so just to add context for those that don't know, the Festive Bake is an item from my favourite train bakery, Greg's. Um, and I'm a big fan of it. And that's why it's my Twitter handle. <laughs> and it only comes out on Christmas, Christmas, doesn't it? Christmas is my favourite time of year. But yeah. Festive, festive big underscore on Twitter. Um, feel free to to follow or like interact, ask any questions, free to chat about whatever. <laughs> and are you going to come back on the show to talk about? Yes, I'm going to talk about um, Inferno Squad, Battlefront Two, Adversio, and then hopefully as well um, get the chance on another one to talk about because um, obviously we did our our. The first time I was on the show, we talked about Fallen Order, but it was before the game had came out. Um, so we'll get the chance to talk about Fallen Order when we've played through it. And with the the um, Dark Temple comic, um, the trade paperback, that's just due to come out. It's on the pre-order. Um, so once we've read through that, hopefully do something on that as well. So Dark Temple is tied yes. to the game, yeah. I believe. And I think it's set uh, before us. It tells us about Siri the- Junda. Again, I've butchered that name. 
Clone, Clone, Clone Wars. Wars. Yeah. Um, so that'll be good. I'm, I'm excited to, to read that, actually. Should should arrive next week. Yeah, it's going to be good to read. After. So fun times. Brilliant stuff, Katie. Well, thank you very much for joining us and may the and may force be with you. you too. Please follow us on Twitter at Boar's Star. That's at B-O-R-E-S-S-T-A-R. And on Instagram and Facebook at Starboards Podcast. You can also reach us on email at starboardspodcast at gmail.com. Starboard Show can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and wherever podcasts can be found. Please give us a like, subscribe, and don't forget to leave a five star review. May the force be with you.